Thank you, Alison, and you're, you're all welcome. Thank you for clearing up my, my background. I could spend half the seminar explaining that. All I'll say is I was born in Bangladesh. I now reside in the Far East, um, East Belfast, um, which is where my, my wife originally hails from. Um, and it's a privilege to be here. We, we really prayed that not so much lots of people would be here, but the right people would be here, people who um, want God to be here, to, to maybe hear something, to be challenged about something. Um, so we really believe each of you are here at this moment, in this time and space, because God wants to speak to you through what is shared this morning. But we're really encouraged by the, the numbers as well. You may be asking how a young whippersnapper like me got uh, to, to, to lead a, a seminar on rethinking retirement. Um, good question. Last year I was also involved in a seminar on mission and after that they asked for, for ideas on future seminars and I had really been struck in my role. I work for OMF and I'm involved in recruiting and, and trying to mobilize people into mission and just the impact of people, um, have to use the right terminology, later in life or, or more mature believers can have, have played in my experience in mission. How people who are mature spiritually, have a, a lifetime of life experience, who have skills, who have gifts, um, can be used in, in God's mission to build, build his kingdom. And I thought of somewhere like New Horizon and the great potential here of people, so many of you with experience, with gifts, um, with a lifetime of, of following Jesus. And I thought it'd be great to have a seminar to talk about the possibilities of, of serving in God's mission um, that, that there is today. And I thought um, on a seminar like this, the, the best thing would be to actually hear from um, real life people who have taken that step of faith later in life, who've stepped out into cross-cultural mission, both here, but Various, various places around the world and hear about how God has used them and how God has blessed them. So we're going to have, um, as Alison has said, four people, five people telling their stories and, um, and I hope you'll be inspired and challenged what they've got to share and there'll be a chance afterwards hopefully to, to have some interaction as well. And I just want to pray again for, for our speakers as they share and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll start with the program. Dear Lord, we thank you for the grace you've shown us, the, the goodness you've shown us. And we want to share that with those who haven't experienced it, who don't know it, Lord God. And we know that at every age and stage, our lives are not our own, but they are yours. And that when you call us to step out, um, it takes sacrifice, but it also comes with great blessing. It's a privilege. And I just pray that you will help each person who's going to share in the next 45 minutes or so to speak clearly and to speak words given by you and words that will speak into our hearts and our souls and challenge and encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Can I just welcome you here this morning and thank you for giving your time to come. Uh, my name is Jean Corrigan and I'm from Church Hill in County Fermanagh. And um, I grew up there in a Methodist environment and became a Christian at the age of 14. And um, then I went on to study home economics and I taught full time for 29 years in Belfast in two different schools. And basically, what happened was in um, 2000. And one, my father, who was almost 99, passed away. And I thought, my goodness, no matter how old we manage to live on this earth, life is fleeting. And then following that, in 2002, I developed um, severe pain. I had to have my gallbladder removed. And that made me really think, right, you know, you want to do something that really counts to help others. So just one Sunday, I happened to flick on the TV. Julia Roberts, a famous actress, was actually um, in Mongolia living with a family in the Gare. And I thought to myself, that is amazing. Now, I do have a few slides. So, she was living with a family in Aguerre, and can I just point out, Mongolia is between Russia and China, and it's three times the size of France. It's a vast country, 
and uh, until 1991 it was a communist country so there was very little Christianity, mainly Buddhism and Shamanism. So I saw the TV program that afternoon and then that evening my local church, Milltown Baptist Church, John, the late John Purse from Lyft was speaking about trips they were teams sending out the next year and one was going to Mongolia. So I said, look, I teach you, she uh, can be practical, but I don't see a big need. So he said, think about it, pray about it. And then literally a few weeks after Christmas in 2003, I felt God nudge me to make inquiries. And he said, you won't believe it. For the first time ever, we've been asked to send somebody to cook for a lift team because the food is so horrendous. So you will be frequently offered this as the guest, the honored guest, sheep's head. And again, the diet's very fatty. Um, it's unbelievable. You think you're eating a bit of uh, cabbage and you realize it's a lump of fat. So as a home economics teacher, obviously my job was to try and introduce fruit and veg. Initially, it was only basic apples, oranges, bananas available. Now there's a lot more, but much more expensive. So anyway, I um, talked to John, went on the lift team, and that was 2003. And then in 2004, I got an email saying, can you come back and look after the missionary kids during the field conference that runs for about 10 days? So a couple of friends came with me and we did that. And then on the last day, they had me an envelope, which I opened when I got home and they urgently needed a home economics teacher and an English teacher. I was amazed because normally it's doctors, dentists, etc. So I made inquiries about going out um, for, well, for a year, take a gap or career break. So anyway, in the end, um, in 2005, when I was due to go, I had a severe back injury and was off work six months. So that was, trip was put on hold. Then uh, the school I was in was closing, so I applied for voluntary redundancy and took that in 2007. And it was the best decision I have made, I can assure you. So just to encourage you, you know, you might have fears and worries and anxieties about money. But the amazing thing is I've given you all a piece of Mongolian money. And it's amazing how God gave me something to do as a teacher that paid every expense I had from flights to accommodation and travel. So um, use this in your Bible just as a wee reminder of today's seminar, even to pray for Mongolia or to pray about the country maybe you feel God is nudging you about. So anyway, having taken redundancy in 2007, I went to Focus Fest and there was a seminar there uh, on spiritual gifts, which I went to. They recommended the book, What You Do Best in the Body of Christ. Now, it is available on Amazon and probably the Faith Mission can get it for you. Can you hear okay? Yeah, good. So I'd really encourage you to think about um, something like that. If you're not completely aware of what your spiritual gifts are, it's really good just to reaffirm what your gifts are and what your passion is. And I read the book, filled it in, and realized I was passionate about mission. I visited missionaries in Thailand and also in um, Latvia. I was on the missionary committee in church, but I really hadn't gone out to do any projects. Uh, I'd been involved in work, uh, children's missions, things at home. So anyway... Uh, the other thing, you know, just um, as it says there, perhaps you may even um, already be in a prayer group for missionaries in your church or even watching Newsnight travel programs are a great way to glean information about countries and be able to pray into them. So, oh... I'll just mention also the Kairos course is a specialist course in mission available at Belfast Bible College. There's a seminar here on Thursday looking at the Kairos course and it's an in-depth look at mission and it's certainly something worth considering. And, um, you know, basically you are unique and there are skills and talents and experiences in life that you've got that nobody else has. And, you know, in one sense, there are loads of things going on in Northern Ireland that other people can do. But maybe God is calling you here or abroad to do something that maybe uh, nobody else can do.
So in 2008, I went out for a month. I taught cooks um, in Ulaanbaatar, the capital of Mongolia. And then the girl on the left, Aldra, my translator, she said, look, my family live away in the west of the country, three hours flight, would you like to visit? And I grew up on a farm and I thought, right, well, I like the outdoors. We went and stayed there. We also visited some GNS, the Good Neighbour Society is a team I work with in Mongolia, visited them and they said, can you come back next year and teach in a local college in the city of Hoft, which I did. And I said, well, who else do you need? And said, well, an English teacher. So two friends came and a girl who taught health education. So the girl on the right is just um, very typical of you know, where they live. And literally at night, you tonight, if there was a massive crisis and whatever, you just lie down in that rug, your whole family sleep in one room, um, just about half the size of the area we're in. So it's a very nomadic lifestyle in the country. Anyway, 2008, 2009, teaching in Mongolia. Then my mum developed dementia. I gave up teaching um, part-time, whatever I was doing, and I decided, well, if she could come and live with my sister and I in Belfast, that would be um, maybe the best thing for her. And really that was prompted by being in Mongolia. There would be no really uh, provision at all of um, nursing homes in Mongolia. The family, um, extended family is very important. So I felt it was important to be there for my mum. So she passed away in 2013. And it was then through actually speaking at the seminar for Summer Madness on spiritual gifts that I felt prompted to refocus on what I was doing with my time and energy. Because I thought, well, you know, we don't know how long we have. My family have lived into their 90s, but I can't assume that. So I um, decided to resign from being a deacon. I've been a deacon in Milltown Baptist for 15 years. And I thought I discovered through a Mission on Me seminar or training day that most people become Christians before the age of 14. So I focus really on Sunday school where I teach them some cooking and mother and toddlers where again they want from, East, um, from Beaver State in Belfast they want to do a bit of cooking in September and um, then helping on a weekly basis with a homework club from children who've come from Somalia. So there are lots of opportunities. That's just to give you an idea. You know, you've got skills and talents you can put to good use. If you can't leave the country, uh, it's not always practical. So anyway, took the train north. And as you probably have seen, Joanna Lumley, her program, even look at it again, as she traveled from Hong Kong to Moscow. And just amazing scenery. And it's a fraction. For five pounds, you can travel. It would cost thousands. So we traveled north. And you can see the shamanist and the Buddhist influence in um, Mongolia. The statue in the rights of Genghis Khan's mother and the sisters. Yes? Okay, right, that better? Great, thank you. So, um, Genghis Khan's mother and children. One of Genghis Khan's wives was Christian. So there is that Christian heritage. But anyway, going on. My job was teach cookery, and that's what I've been doing in uh, Mongolia. And they never had cake. So imagine your kids never having had a birthday cake. That was completely new out there. So important to fellowship with the, just the church leaders. A lot of the pastors would be women, so it was great to be able to have fellowship with them. We went to a Bethel Centre, which is for people coming off alcohol and drugs. I was teaching cookery, and the girl Nancy Montgomery with me, she was actually helping with horticulture and special needs. The facilities out there are just so basic. And when these folk come in off the street, we wanted, obviously they need to get a clothes washed, have a wash, but we wanted to give them something that would change them from the inside, so we arranged to get new testaments for them. And the hairdressing facilities were just horrendous, so I was sent off one day to purchase new hairdressing stuff. I've got a 
chair and a nail table and even the nail table brought them income because they don't get any money from the government but basically just to encourage conversation even in our own churches we have to be creative as to how we reach out to the other next generation and these ladies I said look invite your friends and they said we don't have any friends so these are girls have all come off the street they're 10 kids living there at the ladies house so it's a pretty tough there's a lot of cold weather minus 40 in the winter plus 40 in the summer now alcohol and violence a huge problem in this country Again, folk from Northern Ireland had given donations and uh, were able to you know, give them money to a boiler, there's no boiler, there's no heating, and just again to improve, put blinds on. The girl on the left, Sarah, is the main cook. And just before I left in September last year, she said to me, um, or I said, Sarah, you are my friend. And she put her arm around me and said, you are my sister. And they value the support they get. And most people will only go once to Mongolia. I've been six times and I think they just appreciate the continuity. And even if you're emailing, letter writing, anything, and WhatsApp is brilliant, you can support people from home so easily and you're basically for free. You can see here the feeding program. If I could take this off, it'd be easier. Thank you. So you can see the basic need for food. And just to show you, great, thank you. I have never seen two um, more disadvantaged children in my life. They were like ragamuffins. And I asked about them, and I went to visit their family, their mother, a single parent, and it was just so basic. And this is their gear on the top of a mountain overlooking Ulaanbaatar. And they only had a blanket to sleep on. And we took them some um, toys and clothes and food. And this is another girl I met whose mum passed away when I was there in 2016. 46-year-old, just dropped dead of a stroke. So we've been able to help and support her as well. And she's training to be a wrestler. And the team out there, again, you're having fellowship with them. I've been involved in doing the network, teaching them about spiritual gifts, which has been so enlightening for them, uh, Mongolian folk as well as international folk. And then they said, um, can you help us? Just this past couple of months, they've said, look, the pit toilets we have, it's you know, minus 30, minus 40 in the winter. It is grim. Can you, in any way, see if folk in Northern Ireland anywhere can help support us? We've been told by the government we must take them and get rid of them and put inside toilets. So we, in our houses, probably have at least two toilets, maybe more, with the suites, etc. And out there, you literally have a hole in the ground, and it's pretty dangerous. So um, I have some prayer letters I just did, and they're sitting on the side. Also, some stuff from Mongolia, and also I brought some literature from Lyft as well. So please feel free to come and have a browse because they're different ideas. So again, last year, two schools in the Skill amalgamate, and I was able to help gather up the uniforms. The uniform from Korean also went out to India on a container as well. So it's great to see stuff being reused. So I'll just let you see, there are loads of opportunities. So can I just encourage you that you are unique and God has many opportunities and uh, I'm no different from anybody else and it's just wherever God calls you, it's good to have the health and the freedom and the ability and also be able to pray for your family um, as well and minister. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you very much for coming to uh, the seminar to uh, listen to what we have to say to you as regards service uh, in the older stages of life. My name is Ken Vallely. I'm Frida Vallely, the other half. 
Um, my previous uh, life, I was an engineer with NIE for 30 years, and uh, I had the privilege of getting uh, early retirement, which I took. Um, when I left uh, NIE, I wondered what I was going to do. Um, the Lord spoke to me about serving in mission, and that's where I ended up, serving in mission. Roy Gamble, who's here with his wife Isabel, they were directors of SIM at that stage, and uh, Roy and I have been good friends for many, many years, but I thought, uh, if I go and work with Roy, would that ruin a friendship? But it didn't. It strengthened that friendship. And it was a real privilege to be able to work along with Roy in a voluntary capacity, and I have done that for over 21 years. Uh, Frida will tell you a little bit about herself. Well, my background is nursing. I nursed over 40 years, ending up in... Oh, can you hear me? Uh, my background is nursing, and I worked over 40 years in the health service and retired about nine years ago, ending up in working as a district nurse. So um, after retirement, we felt we really would love to do something. And we had no attachments. All our parents had gone to be with the Lord. We had no... Um, our grandchildren weren't dependent on us and our family were very supportive of us doing something. So we really wondered what we could do and um, didn't particularly want to do anything in the nursing field at all, but I enjoyed hospitality. So um, through SIM, we saw an opportunity to go to serve in Cape Town. They were looking for managers to manage the guest house for missionaries. So um, if any of you have been in Cape Town, it's a beautiful city, absolutely beautiful. And uh, we inquired about it, and we were encouraged by the office staff there to come out and look at it. Come and see what you think. So we went for two weeks in October 2014 and spoke to some of the mission staff there and realized, yes, we could do this. We could, you know, in fact, it was a doctor who was looking after the guest house and really spoke to me. This lady, in a very humble way, was doing simple things, and I thought, well, I could do that. So... Um, the following January, we headed out. We gave six months to it. As you know, um, Cape Town is a, a very beautiful city. And this is one of the main tourist attractions in Cape Town. If you have been there, you have been to Table Mountain. And a beautiful location with many things to see about Cape Town. But really, it, we, we did end up probably like as tourist guides as well. Because the guests who come to see us, they came and asked us, where could we go? What can we do? What can we see? So we were able to guide them and show them different things and different places to go. But really, that wasn't our main intention. Our main intention was to come and to manage this guest house. Uh, this guest house is situated about 20 minute drive south of Cape Town in a beautiful location close to the beaches and to the scenery uh, that is Cape Town and the surrounding area. Um, this is the guest house. Uh, it's beside the SIM office. Uh, it's just around the corner from it. Uh, and we had um, strong connections with the office. Uh, it was mainly administration and finance. But it was a location where missionaries came, the guest house I mean, but also they were able to access the, the, guest the office for um, debriefing and for uh, administration and financial reasons. And Frida will tell you a little bit about the guest house. 
Well, this only gives you a small view of it. It's actually very nice. It was in a gated, um, completely secure area with electric gates and um, overlooking the beautiful Constantia Mountains. It was really lovely. And it was a real haven for missionaries because they were very tired when they came there. Most of them came from very hot areas in, in South Africa. And when they came down, they loved the cool. There's a lovely breeze. In Cape Town, it's called the, Do the Cape Doctor, which is a wind which comes off the sea. Um, it was a basic house. It slept eight to ten people, self-catering, so I had no cooking to do. Um, it would, people prefer to cook for themselves anyway, and there's lots of places to eat out. Um, there was a swimming pool as well. Can't just see it here. Um, did sleep eight people. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, it um, was fully equipped with a good kitchen and laundry facilities. It was very good. We did have the benefit of having a maid. Everybody has a maid there. It's like having a garage at your house. And we had her one full day a week, and uh, she did all that laundry and cleaning. Um, we had missionaries who came, for, people who came for different reasons now. Some people came for health reasons because we were close to the SIM office. Um, they came for debriefing, they came for financial help, personnel. Um, they often came for just a good rest. And this is a group of Australians who came. We had them, the first, some of the first guests we came. They were a group of girls from a church in Australia. And it was very interesting. Uh, they were all Koreans. While we were there, we, were there, we obviously saw that um, the property had got a little bit run down. Um, we didn't, uh, they had no maintenance guy. And um, I had limited skills, but what I had, uh, I was able to do. But I identified, not just here, but other properties that SIM had around Cape Town where missionaries were living. But we saw that these properties needed to be upgraded and refurbished. And we thought, well, um, back home we had a, a connection with Lyft again. Uh, I remember many, many years ago, 21 years ago probably now, uh, we were sitting in the office, Roy and I, one morning. And Roy said, I have two guys coming to see me uh, just to talk about a new organization that they're setting up here in Ireland. And that was Lyft and uh, Gary Moore and the late John Purse came to the office that day. And from that day, even to this, we have a strong connection. SIM uh, UK has a strong connection with Lyft and we have done several projects across the world uh, in SIM properties. And uh, uh, Cape Town is another one of those properties. Uh, and uh, we have had teams come out this last two years um, and we have another one coming out now in November. We head off at the end of October uh, just to be there to get food supplies in and to make sure everything's ready for them but it's an ongoing work, uh, ongoing um, work to be done in different properties and um, Lyft have been a great blessing to SIM in Cape Town and, and other places right across the world as you've heard already. So we do have... Um, We do have these teams coming out, and this is the team that was out the year before last, and uh, um, made, made up mainly of men and women, and uh, the men usually are, are skilled in, in building and painting and uh, different other skills, plumbing. Um, but the ladies also, very valuable, because they can paint and they can do different things that sometimes men can't do. Um, but in the guest house, we had 
we wanted to refurbish that as well. And so they put in new curtains and uh, we, we painted the place and uh, it, it was looking well. But you said to me, uh, what could I do? Uh, there's various things you can do if you're willing to just give yourself uh, to the Lord, to his leading and his guiding. And I trust as you, as you listen to us all today that you will be inspired to, to do something for the Lord. Um, the, in the Nike ad, as you, as you see it and you read it, as you, if you go into the sports shop, there's just three little words and it says, just do it. And I think that's what the Lord would say to every one of us right across whatever the age divide is that today if you make yourself available, uh, the Lord will use you and use you to a great extent. So I trust that it's just a short, uh, short resume of what we did in Cape Town. Um, we we did six months. I should have said at the start. We did six months initially. We came home and they were still short of guest house managers. So we went back out again. We did a further three months, and again we came home because our visa only lasted ninety days. Uh, they still didn't get any guest house managers. So we went out and we did another three months. Uh, and in between, we took the teams out uh, from Lyft. So the Lord has blessed us, uh, and uh, we have used whatever skills the Lord has given us, and we trust that uh, the Lord will use you. Uh, whether it's at home, you don't have to go across the world, you can go across the street to your neighbor, but uh, we trust that the Lord will bless you all. Thank you. Good morning. I'm utterly daunted because I thought I would be in a tiny room with about a dozen people. So forgive me if I'm very nervous. My name is Bernie Reid. I was born in Sligo in 1941. I'll save you the math. I'm 77. And uh, I was born into, brought up in, married in the Roman Catholic Church. But uh, I did not become a Christian until I was 44 years of age at a gospel meeting. Uh, my husband at that time was very heavily involved with Jehovah's Witnesses, which caused a great deal of problems in our marriage. However, we struggled on. Uh, I loved my new Christian life. Uh, he passed away in 2008. Am I making a noise with this microphone? Is it okay? He passed away in 2008, and in 2012, I went to China, taking Bibles across the border. I would love to have gone back to China for a longer time, but it became obvious that uh, there was something not right with me. So uh, when the surgeon had removed what he called a gallia melon from my abdomen, I had quite a big operation, but I made a great uh, recovery, thanks to the Lord. But after that, for some years, I was involved bringing up the small grandchildren. Uh, I moved up to Coleraine to help with three little boys uh, for my son's sake. And then at a meeting in 2016, I think it was, I lose track of time, I heard a lady who is here, uh, you can't see her, but uh, all I can tell you, she's very tiny and she's very lovable. She was talking about going to uh, Kazakhstan. Now, I didn't really take in too much what she said, but I have three great loves in life apart from my family. My savior, travel, and the English language. And what she said made me think, I could do that. 
So I went to Kazakhstan last year to speak English with people in, at a local university. I enjoyed that very much. And then this year, uh, I went to Kosovo, doing much the same thing, came back for a few weeks, and then went back to Kazakhstan, doing the same thing, basically speaking English with people. Kosovo and Kazakhstan couldn't be more different. Kosovo is tiny, Kazakhstan is huge, but they have this in common, they are Muslim countries. Where I was, in both cases, they were nominal Muslims. They were, and to me, they did not seem in any way fierce. Very hospitable. I was invited out to different places. And of course, the idea is, if you can, to speak with people about the gospel. So in, in Kazakhstan, I spoke with the students about the Quran, asked them what they thought about it. I struggled through it before I left and uh, talked with them about what the Bible teaches. I mentioned the Jehovah's Witnesses. I saw them both in Kosovo, and I was sitting in a shopping mall in Kazakhstan when this girl came over to me, asked me if I could answer her a question. I said I would try. When she flicked on her Bible, the question, uh, I saw the word Bible very quickly. The question was, do you think the world's getting better, worse, or just the same? And I said, oh, personally, I think it's getting worse. I realized in about five seconds that she wasn't a bit interested in what I thought. She wanted to give me her agenda. She was a Jehovah's Witness. So I sent up a big, uh, quick Nehemiah prayer to the Lord asking for wisdom. And I can never remember afterwards what exactly I said, but I did my very best to talk with her, both about the Bible and about the organization, which thankfully is in dire straits. If you want to know more about that, ask me later. Just say one thing about uh, missionary work. It's my opinion now that uh, unless it's very specific work, two weeks is really not long enough. It's a long way to go. You get involved with the people and then you're saying goodbye. I found that particularly in Kosovo where I got, where I got to know the children and loved them and then you leave. So if in the will of the Lord I were to go again, I'm conscious about my age, but thankfully my health is excellent. Another thing is I would say, please make sure that you have good health before you go. It can cause problems if you haven't. Be healthy, be mobile, and be blessed. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Bernie. That's uh, very interesting, inspiring, um, and challenging to us all. Um, as has been mentioned, of course, Increasingly, we can reach the nations um, right here where we are. And, and I know when I first came to Northern Ireland, um, if I saw someone else with a, a suntan like myself, we would kind of uh, wave to each other because it was such a novelty. And now I know where our church is in East Belfast, South Belfast, Windsor Baptist. It, it's very, very multicultural in that area. And, uh, and that brings so many opportunities, many people from countries where there is no church, there are no missionaries. Um, and I know not for everyone it's not practical or possible to go overseas, but... but um, the Bible is full of references to um, loving the alien and the stranger that's in our midst. And more and more strangers and aliens are coming and they need to be shown the love of Jesus Christ. And you could be that person. Um, so we're going to hear from someone who's um, reached the nations without leaving Northern Ireland, um, Barbara Brock. And, and, and she's done that later in life. And, uh, and j just tell us how you got involved in that and how that's affected you personally. Okay, thank you, Nathaniel. Um, I actually was medically retired from nursing about 13 years ago. I had depression. 
And that left me feeling, what use am I? I can't do anything. God, in his love and in his mercy, gave me a couple of years to recover. And then, totally out of the blue, a lady I'd had no contact with for some years phoned and said, would you help me at English Corner? For someone who had failed English, I thought, what do we do? But this was talking, like Bernie said. We met together once a week, and I was with a group of international students from Queen's, got to know them, and it was lovely. And then we had a student came along to our church, and uh, through that, I then went to visit his family in China. But in 2008, uh, my husband had been on the board of trustees for Friends International. I have some leaflets here for you. And the Friends International rep came along to meet with my husband. So I did the nice wifely thing, and I brought in the coffee. And as I brought in the coffee and was serving, she looked directly at me and she said, what can your church do for international students? And without any prayer, without any consultation, I said, we could do an English conversation class. And we started what became known as iTalk in 2008. And it has enriched my life. I have got to know folk from all over the world. You may not realize that there are students from Kazakhstan who come to Queens, uh, who come to Bible studies, who have visited in our home. There are students from all over the world coming to Queens. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of students. What can you do? Can you talk? Can you make a cup of coffee? Can you take someone to a coffee shop? Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. He's maybe not calling you to go and visit their country, see them in their country, but he's asking you to be a friend. And that is what has really, really enriched me. I've learned about different cultures. Um, I've learned about uh, family life in uh, different places. I have helped uh, students had them out to the house to teach them how to make pancakes, cupcakes, have afternoon tea. Now that doesn't take a degree. That doesn't take anything more than being willing to actually be available. The impact that it's had on my faith has been that um, I've had to rethink the jargon. Uh, if you're brought up in, particularly in Northern Ireland, there's a lot of talk in church that we understand that um, you grew up with. But if you have never held a Bible, if you have never been inside a church, if you've never met a Christian, that means absolutely nothing. I remember taking a Chinese boy into church and you know the way in our churches we have behold the Lamb of God. And we got into church and um, Dan said, Lamb? 
What do you mean, lamb? I'm an animal. What is that about? And we had to start and try and explain. So what we did was we offered English conversation classes. And as we got to know the students, then we said to them, if you're interested, we can have a Bible study. So many of them, and particularly mainland Chinese, uh, were keen to come along to the Bible study. So you sit, we had bilingual Bibles, um, and we sit, we read through the passage, and then we have to stop and say, are there any words you don't understand? And the first chap I had from Persia, we were doing about the, the friends letting uh, their friend down through the roof, and he said, what is a mat? It wasn't deep theological questions. It was basic English. But we're building friendships. We're getting to know people. And the thing that God has taught me through this is to be faithful. We're not befriending people to put a notch and say, oh, these are the number of people who have got saved when they came to Belfast. It's not about that. It's about being faithful to God. And hopefully, through our living, through our befriending, they see the love of Jesus Christ. And it's lovely because very often, and Nathaniel could say this as well, Friends International have a, a big welcome program uh, in September. And many of the students will say, we have shopping trips, we have free meals, we have cafe. And they'll say, why do you do it? What are you going to say? Because God loves me and we want to show you the love of God. The other thing that God has taught me through this is we're only links and chains. The work is God's. God does the work of salvation. Not Barbara Brock or Nathaniel or anybody else. It is God's work. And we're called to be there, to teach his word, if that's what he asks us to do. Can I share with you, we had a girl who was from Sri Lanka, a Buddhist. Uh, she came to Queens for six months. She came along to the Bible studies, and uh, she's a great photographer, and she, she did a project at Queens on us, and our photographs and everything. She left here, she went to America, and she messaged me on the 11th of the 11th, 2011. And she said, Barbara, I've become a follower of Jesus. Or is it a disciple? I don't know what it's called, but I've become a follower of Jesus. Later on, I get a picture. And it's a picture of the overview of the Bible. We usually start with Christianity Explored. And then we move on to an overview of the Bible. So I got this picture, and she said, do you recognize this, Barbara? I said, yes. She said, I'm going in to teach my first class with international students. She's married, and she and her husband are both serving the Lord in America now. This year, I had the joy of welcoming back the first Japanese girl that came to our classes. She was on holiday, and she wanted to come last week, welcomed back a girl with her husband and her daughter. Does that not enrich your life? That is above and beyond anything I ever 
anticipated when I was medically retired from nursing. And any one of you can do that. Someone said to me, oh, English, English, I couldn't do it. It's not teaching grammar. It's talking. Just talking with people and befriending them. So I have leaflets here. One of them is, welcoming an international student can begin with something as simple as offering them a cup of tea. Thank you. God bless. Um, thank you so much, Barbara. We have a little bit of time at the end, so um, if you'd like to ask a question to anyone who shared a little bit more about their story or, or opportunities, you're welcome to. Um, I'm also going to, this is impromptu, I see someone who's involved in, a, in an excellent ministry in Belfast, which I think is a real opportunity to reach out um, to, to people who've, who've come to that city, often from very um, yeah, war-torn backgrounds, and, and there's an opportunity to get to know them and love them. So Joanne, um, would you mind uh, sharing a little bit about um, what you're involved in, if that's okay? Um, because they're, they're looking for people to, to befriend refugees who've come to Belfast, and Joanne knows all about that. I might get Heather up with me as well. <laughs> as if he's putting me on the spot, I'll put Heather on the spot too. Heather and I and, and many others are involved in reaching out to refugees in Belfast. Some of that's already been mentioned, Somalis, uh, Syrians, Sudanese. Uh, there's lots of opportunities to get involved in different English classes, in homework clubs, in befriending people. If that's something you're interested in doing, please feel free to talk to Heather and I afterwards. But also, um, we're very much looking for people to do that uh, long term. I've been looking into finding some uh, interns to work with me. I had a meeting with somebody who's been doing that with Iranians and he surprised me by saying, Joanne, I think you should be looking for a retired couple because with Muslims, um, with age comes respect. Um, and a couple getting involved in Muslim families, you have the opportunity to meet both the men and the women. And then I met with Nathaniel and he was mentioning uh, this seminar and I said, well, that sounds like an ideal opportunity. So if working uh, with refugees and befriending Muslims across Northern Ireland, because there's now Syrians based um, as far away as uh, Strabane, uh, Londonderry, and there will be more and more Syrians coming under the resettlement scheme. There's just over 1,200 here in Northern Ireland now. The target is 2,000, and there's many, many families uh, that need people to befriend them. Uh, oh, yes, sorry. Um, I, I just wasn't sure what the initial question was. Um, I've had a lot of coffee this morning. It hasn't kicked in yet. Um, yeah. Basically, and I think that Barbara was sharing, uh, when you're working with people uh, from other countries, it's being yourself. It really is about being yourself. It's not necessarily about having all the skills. Um, or you might think, oh, well, that's all right for you to say you're with a mission agency. Um, trust me, it's a learning curve every single day. Um, and God has an awful lot of grace, but it is God's work at the end of the day. And he takes people, no matter how old they are, because you're never too old. It's an excuse. Um, <laughs> we all have excuses. And um, he takes us and he uses us for his glory to show people 
what it's like to be part of God's family. And whether you're thinking of serving here or whether you're thinking of overseas as well, um, it's the same principle. It's just being the person that God has made you to be. Um, and be, just be open to God. Just say, right, God, what is it that you want me to do? Um, so there are loads of opportunities at home and there's lots of opportunities overseas. I have worked with retired people overseas and um, I'm telling you, our teams would have been lost without them. Um, they have, the, the people I've worked with have more energy than the younger people usually. Um, so, so yes, um, is there anything else I need to say? No, okay. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry for putting you on the spot, but you, you did very well. <laughs> yeah, and, and as it's been mentioned, I think a, a wonderful privilege of working with internationals is in those cultures, the respect they have for age and for experience. Um, and, and often people who are, who are older in years get opportunities and they get listened to in a way that, that young people wouldn't. And I was really struck when I was thinking about the, the part of, of older people in mission. Um, when I was at a, a conference, uh, uh, I think it was last year, and a very prominent Asian mission leader was there. And we were asking him, in your country, which is quite a, a closed country, what sort of people um, do, you know, do you want to, to come from the West or from other countries to minister? And I was very surprised by his answer. It wasn't, we, we want young, enthusiastic people to come and you know, spend the rest of their lives there. He said, S send us mature, lifelong disciples of Jesus, because they're coming with a wealth of experience, and they've walked the walk, and, and they can come and they can get alongside people here. They can get alongside um, those who don't know Jesus and share their faith in a wise and a sensitive and a loving way. And they can also get alongside the new believers. We have lots of new believers in this country, um, but they need wise, mature people to, to get alongside them and to be themselves and to just model to them what it is to be a, a mature disciple of Jesus and do life with them and, and as they go through their issues and their life decisions just to walk and talk with them. And he said, send us your, 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 your uh, what would I say, your, your wise, <laughs> experienced Christians to just come and, and, and love and walk alongside us. And, and I really took that to heart and it changed a little bit of my perception of, of, of who we should be looking for to get involved in mission. But I think we've had lots of challenges, lots of food for thought here. Are there any particular questions anyone would like to ask to, to someone who, uh, who has shared today? Um, yes. Are you allowed to tell them? Yeah. It is being recorded. We ask them, ask them personally, yes. Heather and Joanne and everyone else who's, who's shared are going to be around afterwards, and they would, we would love to talk to you more um, so, so they can answer that question for you. Anyone else? Okay, just before we, we close, um, I'd like to give you a, a challenge. We, we've got, I've made a... Uh, a double-sided A4 sheet, and these are very urgent needs, both globally and locally, um, for people to get involved in mission. Needs right now for people to, 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 to share Jesus with people. And I'm, um, Joanne and Heather are going to hand out these sheets, and I want you to take this sheet, and I want you to pray that the Lord would fill these needs. And pray, and ask the Lord if it would be yourself. If it's not yourself, think about someone else you can give it to, um, and, and keep praying um, that, that these needs can be met.
So thank you for, for being here. Thank you to um, Bernie, to Ken, um, to, to Barbara, and to, to Jean, and to Ken, Ken's wife, <laughs> Frida, um, so much for, for sharing. And these guys would love to talk to you afterwards. There's also a number of mission reps here who could also talk to you about opportunities and with their mission. So I'm, I'm just going to close in prayer. Father God, we thank you that we can call you Father, that you see us as your children, you love us for who we are, and that in your economy nothing is wasted, and we all come with life experience, and which has made us who we are, and through our experiences, um, you have shaped us, and you have shaped us so that you can use us to share you with others, to speak into other people's lives. And I thank you for what we've heard today of people who have um, listened to your call, they've stepped out, they've taken risks, and the way that you have used them to bless so many, and the way you have blessed them in the process, and you have enriched their lives, and they have grown in their knowledge and understanding of love of you through, through that process, Lord God. And I pray that if you are prompting us um, this morning to take a step um, to, to do something, to consider something new, that you would give us the courage and the boldness to, to pursue that and the obedience to, to pursue that, knowing that it's in following you that, that we are truly blessed and we live life to the full. Um, so I thank you for each person here and I thank you for this opportunity to, to be together. In Jesus' name, amen.